Welcome to the Thanks Therapy Podcast. Before we start, if you're in crisis or need urgent support, please Google the Samaritans and the country in which you live. Help can be found online and via the phone. We also put local and national helpline numbers and links in the show notes and on social media. Don't suffer alone. Things can and will get better. Enjoy the show. Hello, I am Dr. Emma Lydon. And I am Hannah Lydon, and this is our Therapy Appreciation Podcast, Thanks Therapy. Where we hope to demystify, destigmatize, and encourage the appreciation of good and useful therapy. And since we are just a few weeks away from Halloween, and less than a week by the time this is released, I wanted to jump on the bandwagon and do a Halloween-themed episode. But our listeners might be wondering how Halloween could possibly be related to therapy. Well, we are going to tell you. Halloween! Thanks Therapy! Thanks Therapy! Do it all you do! Thanks Therapy! Thanks Therapy! Don't really know if you should go, you should give it a try, it could be good for you! So Hannah, mm-hmm. have you got any Halloween plans made? Um, not really. Because of the pandemic, Yeah, I just don't really make plans anymore because I'm not sure what is allowed. No, none but of us I, made plans in the same way as we used to, sure we don't? No, it's not really a thing. Before the pandemic, in 2019, mm. I went to Derry for Halloween oh, and wow. it was amazing. Um, yeah. Derry Halloween is the best, I have heard. And I dressed as like, I sort of dressed like space. Did I show you a photo ever? I dress like space, but I found this old picture of David Bowie where he's got like, sort of like his makeup is done like pink and blue. Oh yeah, I think I remember that. space clouds and Mm -hmm. he's got little stars on him. So I tried to mimic that, but I did it badly. And then I just thought, I'll just draw um, stars and moon and planets on my face. And -hmm. it looked pretty sick. And then I also had like um, a starry dress and like fairy lights. And I made a halo out of fairy lights as well. And so cool. then I got really drunk because <laughs> I was doing Halloween. <laughs> but I don't, I like Halloween. I recently have acquired tarot cards. Mm. So I was thinking I could do a bit of like tarot reading, even though I don't really know how. And yeah. drink some wine. That sounds like, like a good plan to me. I don't know. Look at this. Look, look at the night sky. Stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that's good. I don't have any Halloween plans other than I have two children. So I have to make some kind of plans yeah. that that means they are entertained. Well, that means you get Halloween to go anyway. trick or treating. Well, yeah, which I mean, is we, fun. We did, but we haven't gone trick or treating in a couple of years now. Obviously, mm. pandem, etc. Um, Sam is really into Halloween and dressing up for Halloween and everything. Charlie, not so much. So he's a bit younger. Um, he's also a bit more self conscious, and mm. he um was just scared of it for a long time. It is scary. I th- forgot that it's scary. Mm. And last year in my work, it was coming up to, I think it was like the day of Halloween. And this, there's this lovely family who come into my work and the little girl came in and I was like, oh, hi, what are you guys having? And blah, blah, blah. And when I was making their drinks, I was like, are you excited for Halloween? Mm-hmm. And the dad made a face like, oh, no, no, maybe not. Oh. And she burst into tears and I was like, oh, no, what? I'm so sorry. Yeah. And he was like, she's just not, it's scary. Mm-hmm. And I felt really bad because I was like, when you're like, she's maybe was like three. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, if you're three and there's suddenly skeletons and ghosts everywhere, you might be scared. I don't yeah. ever remember being scared, but I forgot that it's scary for little ones. Yeah. Um, that's extremely relevant to what we are talking about today. Oh my obviously. God, good. Um, but just before we move on to that subject, the other thing about Halloween is... Um, this kind of like fall festival or the mm-hmm. autumnal stuff coming in. And I love that. Like mm. I love the whole look of it, the whole vibe of it. Yeah. I've always wanted to have like some kind of big autumnal, you know, jack-o'-lantern display outside the house. I never have time to do it. But yeah, it takes a lot of work. Yeah. I think it would be really cool and very beautiful. And we actually played a gig at a florist um, just this weekend. Looked gorgeous. And they... They're such an artistic place, you know, and they had all these, they called them pimped pumpkins. So they were pumpkins 
that had like a flower arrangement inside them and they had all these little gourds and little mini pumpkins you could buy and make your own display and everything and it was like Mm. it was really really cool and and it was great fun Um, and it made me feel really Halloween-y and really autumn-y. I love Halloween. So I love that part of it but Basically, I felt that there was a lot of thematic elements related to Halloween that we could discuss from a psychological point of view. Big time. I, this is, I'm excited for this. Yeah. One of the most obvious might be how it sort of celebrates fear, which mm-hmm. was sort of what we were talking about there. Or maybe it's kind of um, bringing forth those things that we don't wish to face. Mm-hmm. Death, for example. And presenting them in a kind of benign or castrated way. Yeah. Um, so the history of the holiday is that it is a pagan holiday called Sawin. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that how you're saying that? Sawin? Sawin. Sawin. Sawin I've never or known. Sawin. Yeah, it's Sawin. The thing is, is that that is an Irish Gaelic word, but there's also a oh. Scots Gaelic version of it. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's Sawin, basically. Sawin. That sounds good. Um, and it is a holiday that marks the end of the harvest and the start of the darker season. Nice. And it really is an ancient Irish festival. Traditionally, special bonfires were lit um, and the festival and the rituals involved in it were supposed to have special cleansing powers. Mm. And there's something very appealing about this to me. It's always appealed to me, the marking of all the pagan festivals, because I think there's part of us that has an inherent need to mark the passage of time, like the turning of the world, the changing of the seasons with big parties and rituals. Yep. And it connects us not only to each other, because we gather together usually and join in a thing, but also I think it connects us to our world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the marking of time is important in all the festivals, and it's a basic human need maybe, but this particular one is full of symbolism of death and ghosts and the other world, and has become a time when people engage in scary activities for fun. What do you think drives us to scare ourselves, Hannah? Oh my God, I love this subject so much because I am <laughs> I have always been obsessed with spooky things mm. reading scary stories I love the aesthetic of Halloween and autumn and basically anything to do with spookiness mm. like when I was when I was maybe 10 or 11 that's when the internet was first oh, right. a thing okay and my main website that I used to go to and I kind of knew I wasn't really supposed to go to it, was like a ghost website. <gasps> and it was like ghost hunters from all around the world. And there was forums. Yeah. And they would post their experiences and their blurry photos of like That's nothing. OG internet right there. It was <sighs> all that kind of stuff. And I still love that kind of stuff. So, I mean, this is my, I love spooky Halloween. I love spookiness. Yay. And I also love scaring the shit out of myself <laughs> um, with scary stories and horror films. Mm. So, a lot of that is under the umbrella of like morbid fascination, mm, I think. Yeah. Which is like it, the Halloween stuff is like you say, pretty benign mm-hmm. um, for people our age anyway, maybe not for like a wee kids who are scared. Yeah. But if you think about my, I think my morbid fascination often goes into other areas which are not supernatural. Mm-hmm. Like I see the supernatural as quite fun and sort of just like cute and fun because you can kind of go oh I'm a little bit scared it's not real yeah and that is like a comfort but I do sometimes stray into (laughs) like finding the darker side of the internet oh really and I like to go to so I'm obsessed with reddit most people listening will know what reddit is but basically it's a it's a huge wet network of forums Mm -hmm. so you can find basically anything on there but the I love to go on there and read human stories mm-hmm. um such as there's one subreddit called am i the asshole yeah i love that one which is just people telling personal stories about their problems and saying here's here's what's happening in my family i'm annoyed at this person she's annoyed at me because blah 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 am i the asshole in this situation um and they can be quite dark yeah they can. you can get some really like some of them are daft and silly but then you can get some ones where people are just being the worst of humanity mm. um and regardless of whether the person is or is not the asshole, you get like a real glimpse into like jealousies, insecurities, um, all those uncomfortable emotions and how they play out on the stage of everyday life. Yeah. So that's kind of like dark human nature. It is the fascination, dark side, isn't it? Though all those things you mentioned, yeah. But it doesn't necessarily make me feel that great afterwards. Sure. So what I will do 
if I've been looking at those and I'm a bit depressed about it, I'll be like, right, I need a palate cleanser. So I go on to Ask Reddit, uh-huh. which is just people asking other people to tell them stories and search like unexplained uh-huh. or creepy and pour over people's stories of stuff they can't explain in their life. Like whether it's go- some of them are ghost stories or just like bizarre things that have happened to them that they still think about. Yeah. And don't I have, have an I have explanation one. I for. I think everybody does. I, yeah, I do have one. Yeah. Well, I'll tell at the end. We chart at um, the end, yeah. I think we all have these sides of ourselves which want you to read like scary, strange, horrible stories or watch scary films or look at look at pictures of serial killers and try <gasps> to figure out if you can see the badness in there. Do you do that? I have done it, yeah, <sighs> yeah. Like look at a photo of like... It. Um, I think the son first person, Sam or, son of Sam or Ed yeah. Gein, and be yeah. like, if I saw him in the street, would I know? Like, oh, that's a bad dude. It's that thing of I being think like, you might, I know. I, do, I don't know that I can usually tell from a photograph, but yeah. I think I can. You, you know, if you were in their presence, there's got mm. got to be something there, really, the isn't there? But my theory on this, right, all of that that I'm talking about, my theory is we like to microdose fear, yeah, because deep down we know that like experiencing bad feelings throughout life is is inevitable mm-hmm. but because we're humans and we like to be in charge we try to like do it on our terms and control it yeah and be absolutely. like oh look at my controlled response i am in charge of this nothing will overwhelm me do you know what i mean i agree entirely and i think that we do that you know a lot with scary stories and ghost mm-hmm. stories and actually when i was thinking about this i realized that we do it f- from a younger age even we do it with um, fairy stories some fairy stories are borderline horrific <laughs> there was one I really liked when I was a kid I think it's Rapunzel so the prince searches for Rapunzel and the wicked witch stepmother person redirects him into a forest of thorns or brambles and he's blinded by the thorns I mean I knew it's that was awful dark. when I was a kid yeah um, but it was that kind of awful where I, I couldn't look away and I kept wanting it to be reread and reread to mm. me um, also Little Ride Riding Little Red Riding Hood, which I was so taken with, I wrote a song about it, although not this aspect of it. But this little girl goes to visit her granny and her granny has been eaten by a wild animal and the wild animal is creepily impersonating her <laughs> in order to also eat her. I mean, my That's... song was more about the feminine empowerment than animal attacks, but I mean, it's crazy. that I've never thought about the impersonation aspect of that story, actually, where the wolf puts on the dead woman's clothes. Yeah. And also that wolf can talk. So like, what the Yeah. Fuck? Well, I think that's where it becomes, the more unbelievable it becomes, the less we have to fear it really, isn't yeah. it? I mean, I love the symbolism of all those things. I've always been kind of repulsed and enthralled by Mother Gothel in Rapunzel. Mm. Is that her name? Yeah, I only know that from the film because in the story I read when I was a kid, I didn't know that at all. Mm. But... Yeah, no, that's right. That's that her creepy right. name, I think. Well, she's she's like objectively horrible. Mm. She does bad things, but there's like a pathos to the character that makes her interesting. Mm-hmm. She wants to keep Rapunzel locked in the tower because she envies her. Mm. But you can see underneath the possessiveness that there's love and sadness and she's mourning her like lost youth and beauty. But it is so weird and repressed that it's becoming like twisted up inside her. Causing her to mistreat beautiful Rapunzel. Yeah, well, it's super narcissistic, Fucked isn't it? Up. That make her a caged bird. But they're so yeah. those stories are so compelling for that sort of dynamic. Um, Emma. Yes. Speaking of difficult emotions that we feel like we can't show to the world and that make us weird. Uh huh. Do you want to talk about Carl Young? <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Always, baby. I think it would be crazy to talk about Halloween and fairy tales and everything of the underworld and not talk about the shadow. <gasps> Let's talk about the shadows. Yeah. So what is the shadow aspect in Jungian terms? Um, Any weary voyager who's got into Jung has probably heard of this concept of the shadow, Mm -hmm. which Jung says is an aspect of ourselves which is outside of our immediate knowing. It's like the side of ourselves which houses those more difficult to reconcile aspects of our personalities, like our our jealous selves, our angry selves, nastiness, mm-hmm. um, all those things that we like to think we don't feel, but we actually have, all of us have them. Yeah. And they're the most normal and human things to have, but we, we pre- try to pretend that we don't because they're not polite or we're uncomfortable expressing them. Yeah. Um, and more broadly, it's like the own unknown side of a person, like the parts of a person which are not largely seen 
and might even be a surprise to the person themselves when they do emerge. So, Young stated the shadow to be the unknown dark side of the personality. Emma, here's the part of the podcast where I read directly from Wikipedia, the best website ever. Hashtag donate to Wikipedia. Donate to Wikipedia. Um, According to Young, the shadow in being instinctive and irrational is prone to psychological protection in which a perceived personal inferiority is recognized as a perceived moral deficiency in someone else. Young writes that if these projections remain hidden, the projection-making factor, the shadow archetype, then has a free hand and can realise its object if it has one or bring about some other situation characteristic of its power. These projections insulate and harm individuals by acting as a constantly thickening veil of illusion between the ego and the real world. Oh, I didn't follow it at all, Hannah. What? <laughs> I can't understand. Okay, let's see. So the shadow in being instinctive and irrational is prone to psychological projection. Yeah. Right? So it thinks other people think badly about it. It thinks bad it thinks other people are being mean or angry or jealous when actually it's that those are its own feelings yeah I think the theory is we criticize harshly in others or or find ourselves noticing and shocked by and repulsed by in others what we are not acknowledging in ourselves oh yeah that totally I agree with that I just I often find these quotes so hard to make sense of <laughs> I think they're um, so useful but then maybe I'm just like you're just really smart, babes. I don't know. If You're that's super it. smart, honestly. So Young writes that if these projections remain hidden, mm-hmm. um, then the shadow can just has free reign. So if you don't realize yep. that you are projecting, if you don't, if you can't realize that you are these bad characteristics that you yeah. see in others are actually being played out in yourself, then then you'll just carry on behaving like that. Yeah. And just be an asshole constantly. That, <laughs> that thing of um, if you just actually believe or try to, to make yourself seem like this sort of paragon of virtue mm. and walk around, it's quite unpleasant to be around someone like that because oh, they're yeah. not really genuine or realistic or real. Yeah. And you kind of go, they, they seem so completely perfect. Yeah. But what is being squashed down mm-hmm. that they appear like that? It can't be real. That's what I think anyway. Interesting. I'm bringing Young into this because in therapy, people might encounter this term integrating the shadow, Mm -hmm. which sounds quite intimidating, but basically is like, I'm trying to posit that it's our own personal Halloween. Oh my God. Okay. Mic drop. Halloween is meant to be the night of the year when the veil between our living world as we know it and the Mm -hmm. world of the spirits, which we do not usually have access to, is at its thinnest. And that should be scary, but we have an entire festival built around it where kids dress up as scary things and we all maraud around at night and, you know, spook each other. And in pagan celebrations of Samhain, is that right, Mm Samhain? Yeah. It was thought that the souls of dead kin would visit their old homes seeking hospitality and the families would set them a place at the dinner table and and make like kind of offering to the world of the dead. Mm. So when you look at it that way, these traditions are embracing the shadow with open arms and trying to reach through the veil yeah. almost and make friends with it, mm-hmm. which I think is what Jung would say we are meant to do with our shadow aspects of our personality. Mm. So we think about integrating the shadow on a personal level. It becomes actually real and much scarier, I think, <laughs> because <laughs> it's hard yeah. and it necessitates looking at parts of ourselves we would otherwise like to repress and ignore because they're not as cute and pretty and socially acceptable and you know it's hard to kind of go yes I am angry about that thing yeah especially as women I think we're not really it's not that comfortable for other people just to see people being angry and I do think we've talked about this actually before early days of the podcast we were talking about how in psychotherapy you will have to go and you will have to say things about yourself that you're not going to like. Oh, you will yeah. have to confront parts of yourself that you don't like. Like it's literally not about going and sitting and and you know, it's not really catharsis. You know, yeah. it's not really designed for that. It's designed for you to uncover the parts of yourself that are the most uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, that you so don't that like you looking can, at. That you don't like looking at, yeah. Or the stuff that you don't like looking at, not necessarily the parts of yourself, but also the parts of yourself. What Yalom said mm. is the, the client has to go in 
and sit there and tell things that are disagreeable to tell. Yeah. That's kind of the same. That was Frankel, was it not? Yes. Yes, because that's you told me that. (laughs) I did. (laughs) That was last week. That's ages ago in my brain. (laughs) I know. It really is, especially all the stuff you're reading now and listening to. Um, But Sawain is not a million miles away from uh, Dea de Muertos in Mexican culture, the Mm. Dea Dead, obviously. Oh, yeah. Um, And as you're saying, there's this symbolism around the veil between worlds being thin. But I suppose I hadn't thought about it in the terms of the shadow the veil between the shadow being thin, you know, using that symbolism in the same way. Um, and that's quite interesting. When I was younger, I was into Wicca a little bit. Um, and in hindsight, actually, I was looking for something which turned out to be psychology. Um, <laughs> and quite honestly, because one of the things I was interested in in, in was um, about what, what Wicca could tell us about ourselves and about other people mm-hmm. and one of the things that I came across was about soul types so there's this very simplistic grid which was basically good bad and light dark oh so it's a bit like that neutral good lawful good chaotic evil yeah, yeah. grid but more simplistic and so the idea was you might be a combination of these the worst of which would be bad dark mm. and the like angelic of which would be good light and I always felt myself to be good dark Mm-hmm. I always I wanted to name an album that actually I might still do that I mean I always thought to myself I don't think I would really want to be good light you know I think you've got to have a little bit of darkness good light sounds boring yes to get back to it scary stories are one thing that we like to indulge in to the extent that there's a whole horror movie industry but I gotta say Hannah they ain't getting any of my money because I cannot deal with horror films. It's fun. They're I fun. find them so scary and I just don't want to be scared. I used to watch them. I got really into them when I was a teenager. Like some of my first favorite films were the Freddy Krueger um, you know, I've never seen them. ones. Um, and I, I did used to enjoy them when I was a teenager, but that did change mm. for me. Getting older, having children. Um... And my window of tolerance for being creeped out and terrified and horrified really reduced significantly. Yeah. There was actually a film that was a turning point. Um, It's a film called Eden Lake. I don't know if you've seen it. I've heard of that. And I think I've kind of gained enough insight from people talking about it that I'm like, no. To stay away from it, (laughs) yes. That's not for me. Basically, the problem was is that it could could happen. It was Mm. too realistic. It could so easily happen as a couple here like on a camping trip they encounter a group of youths and um get on the wrong side of them i think they it starts to go significantly downhill when they accidentally hurt the dog oh no the dog sort of attacks them they they go back against the dog and then the the youths are just after them mm. and and they're after them to to kill them to harm them and kill them yeah that just sounds really sad was very sad and it was awful and it really stayed with me and mm. I couldn't shake it and I just decided I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to watch scary films well, anymore. funny that you should say that because I have a turning point film but it did not put me off. It just made me want to watch more scary right. films. And it was the 1989 version of Pet Cemetery. Oh yeah, that's a great film. It's so Love fucking that. scary. Yeah. it's uh, But the thing that but I... watched I, that when I was a kid, you see? well you shouldn't have like 12 or something I watched it when I was 12 and I remember going into school the next day and feeling sick to my stomach Mm. because I was so worried about it yeah I think I was 12 so I couldn't be like okay that was too old for me and I shouldn't have been allowed to watch that film when you're 12 you're just like the world is really bad and now I know about it and I can't stop thinking about it I can't concentrate on my coloring project because I'm 12 and I'm just really worried about it but the thing that I was upset about like it upset me it disturbed me it wasn't mm-hmm. just like oh that was so scary like I watched The Shining when I was much younger and it's yeah. still one of my favourite films same here and it's arguably scarier because it's more sophisticated scariness but Pet Cemetery, there is the the sister in the attic who oh, has yeah. spinal meningitis yeah. and she's like a grotesque monster but she it, the supernatural aspect of that story is separate from her mm-hmm. and this is like a psychological horror that the one of the main characters is having yeah. to battle with and it fucked me up but I think 
I still love Scarif. In fact, do you know what's so funny? I sent the trailer for that to a friend recently because we'd been talking about like, oh, scary films and coming up to Halloween. Uh-huh. And I sent him the trailer and he just said, that looks so awful. <laughs> <laughs> and I think he meant like that would be horrible to sit through. Yeah. Not like that looks like a shit film. Yeah, it's, I'm like, sure it's yeah, a good film. it is awful. And I don't know why I'm so, I'm still so obsessed with it. Yeah, I mean, I sometimes I feel like I miss out on some art because mm. I can't watch anything really scary and I see trailers for things and I go, I would be quite interested in the, you know, h- how that story is told and, you know, the characters and that, but I can't watch it. Mm. Um, Too scary. But while I don't like horror films, many of our listeners will know that I, myself and you, we, in fact, are <laughs> huge true crime fans. Yeah. Um, so that's different. It is different. I'm not really in it for the fear factor when it comes to true crime. I mean, there is horror, obviously, but I think it's more like the mystery and yeah. the story. But I know a lot of people have different reasons for their true crime obsession. Yeah. Well, I I know what drives mine and I think it's the same curiosity I feel when I read like a ghost story or look at people's horrible stories on Reddit. Mm. It's the sense of wanting to know like the worst of people in the world mm-hmm. so that I can in some way prepare myself by having already seen the worst, mm. which is obviously a bit of a fallacy because like just because I've read about a horrific murder doesn't mean I'm immune to murder. Mm. Yeah. Like it doesn't work that way. <laughs> but I think personally for me, it means like I'm I'm like arming myself. I'm telling myself I'm not super naive. I know bad stuff can happen. And all kinds of people around me are capable of untold awful things. And I, even I might be capable of things I don't know about myself. Mm-hmm. And there is that desire to look into the dark and scare yourself and like come away from it feeling a bit, a bit of fear, but a manageable fear that doesn't totally overwhelm or derail. Do you know what I mean? That makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it's definitely, I'm a massive true crime fan, as many people will know. Um and I do think it's the fascinating human stories that I'm that I'm really interested in. I have a little stomach for the horror. Mm. And I often have to switch episodes if I've gotten into anything too heavy. However, I also realize that I think there's a kind of correlation with anxiety tendencies and true crime enjoyment. Yeah. And I'll explain why. So you said there that one of the things that drives you to listen to true crime is a sense of wanting to know the worst so that you can prepare yourself I mean, for it. <laughs> um, there ever were an anxious thing to say. Which, of course, is the logic behind worrying. When you worry about things, mostly you don't think of the rationale behind that. But mm-hmm. when people are forced to, they often express that if they don't worry about the thing now, then how will they stop it happening? You know, how will they be prepared for it? Yeah. And that logic is the basis of disorders like OCD, when the urge to control and prevent catastrophe gets out of control and gets so overwhelming that your actions become extreme, uh, like extreme cleaning or unrelated repetitive or ritualistic behaviours. So I realised this when listening to a recent episode of one of my faves, and I realised that the hosts were worriers and catastrophizers Mm. like me. Yeah. You know, so am I. Um. And I've worked very hard to regulate it, but that I definitely have that tendency. And I think that that's an unfortunate fact about our true crime love is that it may not be indirectly related to our anxious tendencies. Yeah, I agree. Sorry to drop that bombshell I mean, on you. Yeah, no, it's, that's fair enough. Like, I, I think if I were more chill, I probably would just be like, why would I want to listen to a story where a woman literally gets her arms chopped off and then has mm. to like mud pack her shoulder stumps to yeah. survive? And run up to the road and... Like, what the fuck? I mean, I do love I Survive stories because there's it's an implicit, you know, so safety net in them, you know, because yeah. they survived. Well, yeah, like on My Favourite Murder when Karen retells I oh, Survived I'm episodes. Like, yes! Because you, you, <laughs> you hear Georgia getting so stressed, like... It doesn't sound good. She's like, remember this title of the show is I Survived? <laughs> I think that's the reason that I look up spoilers for shows that I watch. Yeah. Like, because I cannot handle the intensity of being like, oh my God, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. So maybe it's like trying to do that, but with real life and be like, am I going to get murdered? No. Yeah. Because I, I'm not that person. Yeah. But anyone could get murdered. 
Just and that's don't the main go thing to, to remember. Location, you know? Yeah, never go to a second location, especially not with a hippie. That's the main <laughs> thing to remember. Um, I think this desire to look into the dark is what we love about Halloween and mm-hmm. horror movies and scary stories. But I also think we have Disneyfied Halloween. In my day, honestly, it was kind of grim, Hannah. <laughs> like in the 80s, we were regularly dressed up in a black bin bag, trash bag for the Americans listening, to trash. be a witch. Um, I've been in a bin bag. Yeah, were you still? St- there was we, bin bags I can't going believe on. your mum was still doing bin bags. That's terrible. Bin bags, and if you were really lucky... A little set of fingers. Oh yeah, witch's fingers, fingers that, that you, you got that, from the supermarket. Yeah, and they would yeah. just fall off, and you'd yeah lose them. Um, but I was quite ambitious. Actually, I would get my my parents to, and they would do whatever because I think they were sort of enjoying it. They once <laughs> made me a pumpkin costume. So basically, Dad made a wire frame. Oh my god! And Mum made the material, and I was a pumpkin. That was one of my best costumes. That sounds really good. Um. And here's another fact for the Americans. We didn't have pumpkins because pumpkins and gourds aren't native to here. And yeah. I think our world is too wet I think it's for too them wet. maybe and not warm enough in the autumn. Yeah. Um. So we had turnips. Which are horrible. So we carved jack-o'-lanterns out of turnips. And turnips, actually, I don't know the American word for turnips. It could be. Is I think it sweet? Turnip. <laughs> no, it is sweet. <laughs> Um, but anyway, they are a bastard to carve. Like, yeah, they're, they're really so hard. hard. It's like a little rock vegetable. They're not meant for carving at all. And they taste fucking disgusting. Like, mm. yeah, I hate them. So we would go around the houses and we would say this rhyme. Christmas is coming and the goose is getting fat. Please put a penny in the old man's hat. If you haven't got a penny, a halfpenny will do. If you haven't got a halfpenny, God bless you. And for our performance, people would give us a few pence, 20p. Sometimes, you know, you'd get a pound. So we would collect all this money and go back and count it out. Occasionally we would throw in like, a, you know, a biscuit or some sweets. But people (laughs) didn't have sweets in their house. Yeah. Because the American version of Halloween had not yet come to Northern Ireland when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. People just weren't there in their house with sweets ready for trick-or-treaters to come round. Yeah, yeah. Now it's a different story. Yeah. And in terms of being scared, my kids, when they were very young, they were scared a few times by older kids coming to the door in masks. By this time, we did have the going around the door for candy-type Halloween. Um, And I know in America and Canada, I'm sure in other places that are really into this, they will have like haunted houses with actors pretending to be zombies and ghosts and vampires. And... I think some of those would be really, really scary. Like they I think scary. they they do them for all ages, but there's ones that are really supposed to be scarier. Yeah. And I just couldn't, nothing would possess me to put myself into a position like that. If I think if I knew that there was going to be an element of like camp to the proceedings, yeah. I would be all for that. But if it was like a Blair Witch paranormal activity style <gasps> one, absolutely fucking not because I would probably... Have uh, like some sort of anxiety attack. I think I would. I'd be terrified. I'd be running away. But if it's like, um, you know, Dr. Frankenfurter coming out and being like, <laughs> hey, I'd be like, yeah, Halloween. Yeah, that would be cool. Basically but, make it gay and I'm, I'll am i be there. Yeah. Um, I think you only have to see my reaction when somebody comes up behind me when I'm hoovering to know that and I am not built dif- for. That's different because that is an act of violence to scare you. <laughs> I, so I work in a cafe and we have our, our fridge right at the front and it's like, so if I'm standing looking at the fridge and quite often cleaning the glass to make uh-huh. it all shiny and nice, the door is directly behind me uh-huh. and there used to be a woman who would all the time, this happened maybe three or four times, she would come in and go, boo, and oh. it made me absolutely fucking hate her Oh yeah, because I was like, that is so obnoxious. You don't know if I've got a heart disorder. Yeah, I don't. But I have mental health problems and that's also bad. <laughs> an act of violence is right. It's so scary and aggressive, but that's just because you're going to be startled. Like there's nothing. Do you know what it is? It's not inventive. Scaring yeah. somebody with a spooky window display on Halloween is creative and endearing. Yes, I just wish it was people deliberately scaring me with when I'm hoovering. But actually what it can be <laughs> is someone just trying to walk through their own home. <laughs> 
and I behave as if, as if, um, an intruder. Mike Myers, Michael Myers from Halloween, not what he's called, yeah. has appeared. With the horrible mask. Very close, far too close to me. Um, so, and like, Marty will say, I don't know how else to come into a room like you need to calm down yeah. and there was one time I turned around and like slapped Sam and all because <laughs> he scared me on the stairs that's just nervous I mean he didn't feel it but he's because he's a big strong boy strong. but anyway um, right okay so we went slightly off the point there and I just hit the mic um, we asked for Halloween related problems, Hannah, and mm-hmm. we're very happy to have responses. So much so that we actually have two. Two. That we're going to talk about. I mean. Though they're both quite short. So the first one, do you want to read it out, Hannah? Yes, I will. I'm going to preface this by saying that my friend sent me this via voice message mm. and I have just transcribed it basically. <gasps> exactly. Really? Yeah, because I just didn't know how to condense it. And I thought, this is so funny that. It would be a missed opportunity not to. So I have I have written it out here. I've typed it out okay, as, it, as it sounds. Okay. My thing is that Halloween's great and everything, blah, blah, blah. But for me, I associate this time with the clocks going back, the run up to Christmas, which is nice and all. But I definitely feel like, like I'm one of those people that suffers from that seasonal thing where I wake up on a dark morning and it gets dark earlier. It really gives me the blues. I wouldn't mind if it was like a month of that, but winter is so long here. <laughs> I feel like that's not something that's really recognized as legitimate being affected by the seasons. I feel like it might be understudied. So I would just be interested to hear A, advice from you too, and B, is it something that has been researched and could Emma the researcher shed any light on it? Haha, ha, no pun intended, but <laughs> yeah, seriously though, if she could shed some light on it, because that would be so good. Are there strategies to combat it? I feel like it's such an eye roll when you're like, oh, I suffer from seasonal affective disorder. Mm. Like I wouldn't even be comfortable calling it seasonal depression. But I do notice that my motivation really goes down around this time. And quite often when I mention it to people, I do feel the eye roll. Like I feel like people would think I should just get over it. Anyway, that's my problem. Wow. Okay. That was verbatim. I think we should always have audio messages that we transcribe. <laughs> I that's did amazing. have a good time typing that out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so shedding some light on that. Okay, so... Basically, I guess that they're alluding to having a slight case of seasonal affective disorder, really, which is also known as winter depression. And it's a subtype of clinical depression. It is in the DSM. Mm -hmm. But currently, actually, we don't know the exact cause of this. I mean, I know it seems obvious um, that it's like, you know, darkness. It's to do with light. And there is strong evidence that it's to do with the seasonal change affecting your circadian rhythms. Um, or your hormones, your serotonin and the the mechanisms there. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is some contradictory evidence. Okay. And that means that broadly we think it's what we call a biologically heterogeneous condition. What does that mean? Essentially, it means that it doesn't present the same in all people. Oh, Okay. The problem is with something like that that doesn't present the same in all people, it's very hard to pinpoint the exact cause mm-hmm. and therefore a good Harder treatment. Treat, yeah. I'm sure you've heard of people using sun lamps and things like that. Yeah. Um, and some people take antidepressants for seasonal affective disorder, you know. Um, but more interestingly than that, I think, because this is one of those Uh, conditions that I think we've approached from a really biological point of view Mm -hmm. and less as a facet of human psychology and potentially even the annual nature of human psychology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was in the forest recently. I mean, I've just never been that long since I've been in a forest. You're usually usually a day in the forest. I was in the forest yesterday and I was thinking a lot about the forest at this time of year. So... Not to get too new agey here, but the forest goes through an incredible growth and life cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the summer, there's food in abundance and it's all a buzz. But when the autumn comes, the leaves fall, the temperature drops, things rot on the wet ground and growth is postponed. Um, and I, I know I feel that we're very far from nature in our modern world, but yet I feel we feel this pause, yes. this lack of growth. For sure, There's a yeah. slowing down that happens at this time of year. And maybe this writer inner is a person who enjoys growth and 
equally, I think none of us like to think of this time in terms of leaves dying and falling to the ground and coldness instead of warmth. Mm -hmm. But I do think that it has to do with that, that slowing down, that pause in growth. For sure, yeah. It can be uncomfortable for some people. So advice wise, I would say a couple of things. Spend time out in the nice autumn sun and the winter sun when yes. you can. Try and get those rays in, despite it not being Even the summer. They're not hot rays, they're still they're still nourishing you. Yeah, and do get outside and into nature because maybe you do that a lot in the summer, and then when it yeah. comes to autumn and winter, you stop doing that. And and it's actually the connection with nature that you're missing. Mm. You know, that's a very good point. Yeah. Um, and also try to think of this time is of year as part of a cycle of growth not just in terms of nature but in terms of your own needs because we all need times of rapid production and equally we need times of rest and recuperation Mm -hmm. and the slower pace may not suit you sometimes but it actually might be the exact kind of thing that you need yeah this is me off you know really speaking from experience because while I love to be always going always going Sometimes I need to be not always going, you know. I need to be forced not to. No one living thing can always be in motion. Yeah. It just simply doesn't work. But also, I mean, this might not be that helpful for this person who's feeling like they have a touch of seasonal depression. But if you think about trying to reframe the aesthetics of the the pre-winter, winter time, because the leaves are dying and falling, but... They nourish the ground beneath them for the new great growth in spring. And maybe you need to do that to yourself. Reach, baby. You need to lie down, have a rest. No, that's not my whole advice. But <laughs> I, the thing that I was thinking when I read this question was, I don't think this person is taking themselves seriously enough. Mm. Um, because a few times they say, I can hear the eye roll. And yeah, I thought that that's, that's really sad that that's people are sad giving eye rolls to them. Well, if anybody is, fuck them because it's not anything to do with them. But also, don't eye roll yourself, right or inner. Yeah, like, no, don't. Your yeah, your feelings of feeling down in the winter are not pseudoscience and they're not nonsense. No. And even if they were, that doesn't change the fact that you're feeling them. So I'd say be be a bit more gentle with yourself there. Nobody's going to eye roll you, and if they we do, are not then eye rolling you. And get we away from that person. Deride the eye rollers. Yeah, no eye rolling people's feelings. Thank you very much. Yes, please. So, um, I think take yourself seriously and take yourself seriously, and you know maybe take some of those steps towards accepting that this this way of growing by being more still is equally important for your you know, for your life, for, for also, the cycle of your life. They also mentioned the run up to Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I think as a society, we underestimate how much of a melt Christmas oh my is. God, it's ridiculous. It's it extremely hectic. Year. So I don't know, this This can feel like a lull this time. Like mm. October, November can be a bit more mellow. I I enjoy that, but I can definitely see how by some people that might be felt as drudgery yeah and darkness and gloominess yeah um so i don't know maybe there's something to be said for this person could incorporate their shadow side mm. in stillness maybe they're not that comfortable with being still introspective melancholic Definitely. those things are all I, things that are hard to do if you're not used to them i identify so strongly with that That's... yes i was trying not to look at you too much <laughs> while i said those things <laughs> Um, I, I want to touch on something you said, though, because um, what you were saying about, you know, the leaves falling to the ground rather than thinking about them, those being dead leaves on the ground. We're we're told more and more about how important those leaves are for life. You oh, know, my that's, God. If we didn't have them, we wouldn't have any food. Yeah. So we were in the forest yesterday. Um, there's the most beautiful glen at Crawfordsburn Country mm. Park, which is in Bangor, which is about 20 minutes, 30 minutes outside of Belfast. And it was kind of rainy and I loved the forest in the rain because it was vibrant. Mm. The green was shining in the rain and I pointed to a fallen log. This will give you an insight into the type of walks we're having. (laughs) I pointed to a fallen log, which must have been there for several decades. And it was covered in this vibrant green moss. And I said to Marty, you see this fallen log rotting slowly on the ground might seem like something dead, but it couldn't be more alive. (gasps) 
Um, and I got down and I'm into taking pictures of the forest on all different levels at the minute. So like pictures from far away and then getting down and using the macro setting on my camera and taking pictures yeah, of the man. moss really close up. That's so, that, that's very vibey, everything you just said there. Yeah, I'm really into trees and forests. She loves the, the forest. I love it. That's very beautiful. Edinburgh okay. would love that. Many beasts and mold and mulch and all that yeah. sort of stuff. That's life, baby. I know. Stuff of life. It's just not the kind of life like that you, you know, it's think not, of the of the green ferns growing, blowing in the summer breeze, you know. It's a different it's can't a different all be type of life. Mimosas on the terrace. No. Let's just say that. We can't. Um so we do have another problem, Hannah. So I'm conscious that we have to I'll have to get on. And I'm gonna read this one to you. Okay. It's very short and it came through Twitter. And thank you very much, this person, for sharing this with us. Um so this is what it says. Is it weird I get anxiety and stupidly self-conscious about fancy dress to the point where I won't do it? Oh, And that's it. Is that the whole question? That's the whole question. Well, okay, it's not weird. And there's, it's not stupid. There's no stupid or weird. Let's just get that right out of the way. <laughs> you're just very normal. And also I think you're smart for having noticed this about yourself. So well done. Yeah. Um, That's so interesting. I have never really experienced that myself. So I'm... I'm just kind of letting that settle because I, I mean, obviously it's easier to give advice about something you have felt. Yeah. I'd love to know more about that. Well, I, I have felt that. I can, I can empathize with that. So I'll, I'll give you a bit more insight if you want. But, um, I think it's that thing of being so self-conscious, you know, or, or shy that you don't want to draw attention to yourself necessarily. Yeah. I mean, Charlie, for example, didn't want to get dressed up and it wasn't because um, he was scared or he wasn't into it. He just felt he would stand out. He felt I will be looked at. People will look at me and they will maybe even compliment me. And I don't want to draw that kind of attention to myself. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Because I think of it entirely differently. Mm. Like I wouldn't say I'm really someone who likes being the center of attention Mm. generally in real life. Yeah. But if you think about the process of getting dressed up and putting on a costume, it's kind of like a disguise. Yeah. So you have like um, like a different persona. Mm-hmm. Maybe that would be a fun way for you to explore getting less self-conscious and kind of, because it sounds like if they put on a fancy dress, they feel like they're just themselves in a weird outfit with weird mm. stuff on their face. Why not incorporate it to be like, I am somebody else and mm. this is how I become somebody else and make it a bit theatrical, a bit camp, a bit more um, sort of murder mystery mm-hmm. instead of, because that might be less um, self-conscious making. Mm. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Um, I suppose I would have probably given the opposite advice. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> no, but I think it's good advice because, I mean, that's what I do when I, I'm performing on the stage in the the big band thing. Yeah, yeah. I basically, to avoid getting cripplingly, cripplingly nervous so that I can't actually perform, I think, well, this is a persona. I'm going to, I'm going to play the game. I'm going to, I'm going to act the part. Totally. And yeah. so I go on and I perform and, and it seems like I'm really comfortable up there when actually I might have been feeling nervous about it. So I, it is good advice, but I think I probably would have said something like, um, you know, because I suppose this is, comes from what I said to Charlie, which mm-hmm. was everybody's dressed up, though. You yeah, know, it's it's not you will actually yeah. stand out more if you're not dressed up. Mm-hmm. And so if if you just imagine that you're one of those other people who doesn't care about dressing up, yeah. it's like, oh, it's nothing. Oh, it's oh, yeah, it's a good costume. Yeah, it's good. Fun. Or I don't know if I like this costume when when somebody compliments, you know, just make it lower key. Because yeah. I think for him, it was all like a big, too big a too deal. Too much build up. Too much build up. And then it was just too much pressure, really, I think. I think that we're answering it from two different points of view because I'm answering it from the point of um, that person saying, I'm I'm self-conscious about this and I don't want to be. Mm. But also, if you're self-conscious about getting dressed up and doing fancy dress, you don't have to do yeah, it. Yeah, you don't have to. <laughs> there's no, there's zero requirement for you to do that. Yeah. Like, I have the same problem with... Um, getting dressed up like girly and I I generally feel like really self-conscious embarrassed 
like I look like some sort of strange interloper in the world of femininity because I usually just wear like jeans and boots and jumpers yeah so I think I would have that same to, to the point where I won't do it is mm. pretty much the only time I will do it is for a wedding yeah and even then I'll I'll make it clear that I'm you know gonna wear black or something <laughs> like so that's an example of something you do have to do I don't know interesting but there's definitely nothing wrong with you no I mean, I, I think there's too much pressure on everybody to do things Anything or not ever. do things. If you want to do, if you want to do it, and you want things to change, I think you can, and yeah. I think you can do it by adopting a different attitude. It might be what Hannah's saying, where you you pretend to be somebody else, or it might be that you just think, do you know what? Actually, I'm not sure that's I care not about for this me, that much, and that's fine. Yeah, or this isn't for me. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um. I do think that as you get older, the thing that you notice is that you care less about stuff. You, yeah. you stop worrying so much about the thing that, um, you know, you were really self-conscious about when you were younger. Like I, I used to not be able to go out without makeup on, for mm. example. And now I regularly go out of the house without makeup on. Yeah, because who gives a shit? Yeah. And... um. Well, I used to always feel that that sense of that, you know, when I was ever in a place, I would just really feel it was this implication of people's eyes being on me all the mm. time. And when you get older, you suddenly realize that most people are not looking at you. And even if they are, they're probably looking at you the way you look at other people, which is mostly just glancing past them unless you know them. Yeah, <laughs> you know? definitely. You know, so, and if they are judging you, then, oh my God, their problem entirely. Their problem. Take solace in your insignificance again. And yeah, and oh, you get so much more insignificant when you're older. You just get more <laughs> and more insignificant. And it's great. It seems fun. It is good. Yeah, I love it. Um, I think that's us, Hannah. can't believe we did two problems. I know. Makes me feel like we're fresh and all. We're powerful now. We've found our power. I think we might skip a week because Hannah has like seven exams in one day. I don't know I why this is happening. When I signed <laughs> up to do a master's, I didn't think that there would be like all this work. Uh, trying yeah. to do a podcast here. I know. But yeah, I have exams. Um, but I'm scared. We are, and we're also, I think we're both really tired at the end of that episode. I mean, I only got like five hours sleep last night, so I'm definitely tired, but. I only um, got like nine, so I feel tired <laughs> <laughs> oh my god nine hours sleep I can't even imagine I think because I, I don't have tired. any children that's probably why <laughs> yeah um so thank you very much for listening um we are continually amazed and delighted that you are listening and downloading. thanks for writing in your problems as well that's very good and yeah keep doing it please we're we're really really keen to hear from you and um we hope we can answer you well and like and rate and subscribe and share tell a friend tell a friend thank you very much thanks hannah thanks emma thanks thanks therapy, therapy. by the light psycho killer guess that's on my run playlist I'm sorry, I think I have a disease. Aspirate some cholera. The cholera came <laughs> into the podcasting world. Larry, it's me, Lawrence. <laughs>